Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain, Bradley Burrows and guests. Welcome to the NZ Tech Podcast. This is episode 38. You're with Paul Spain. you got Bradley Burrows. And Skip Parker. Welcome along, everyone. Uh, we've got a fun little night lined up tonight. Um, yeah, let, let's jump into it. All sorts of news going on. News from the US about a new book coming out on Steve Jobs. A discussion around Android revenues. Yes. Uh, we're talking about Linux. We're talking about some dodgy, um, what would you call these callers from India, Skip? Idiots. Ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got a whole bunch of stuff coming up. So, uh, yeah, let's dive into it. Now, first up, Apple have just released a, uh, a bump to their MacBook Pro uh, today. They've uh, they've launched a new version with, uh, with a couple of very, very minor update. I think something that they do every now and then, no really uh, uh, major noticeable changes but if you were buying a, a Mac uh, today onwards as opposed to last week you'll you'll get a slightly higher spec machine for the same money I guess. Yeah look it goes from a you know like the, I think one of the ones go from a uh, 2.2 gigahertz CPU to a um, 2.4 gigahertz i5 oh, CPU. 2.3 to 2.4 on, on for instance the 13 inch Mac yeah, Pro so, so it's, it's pretty small. I mean there's a bit of video in there and so on so if you're into gaming and so on those things are helpful. Uh, but not necessarily uh, relevant to you know to a lot of users. So it depends how you're using a machine, whether that stuff's uh, whether that stuff's relevant. But I mean, it's good to see Apple are uh, keeping up in terms of pushing specs because uh, you know we have seen situations uh, you know sometimes with Apple where they'll have a machine available maybe for you know nearly a year in terms of period the price stays exactly the same uh and gets really out of whack with uh with what other vendors are offering um so you know here yep the price stayed the same but they have given a bit of a feature um a performance update and so on brad we were chatting a little bit earlier around um the deals that microsoft have been doing with the likes of htc samsung the various vendors that are selling uh Android tablets and smartphones, um, those deals now sort of now cover um, what the majority of uh, Android devices now sold. Um, the deal is that Microsoft are getting a um, getting sort of a revenue on, on every one of those sales. Is that right? Yeah. Look, so basically, I think they announced another one today, and they're pretty much getting um, from. I get this right. They're getting 55% of royalties from the Android ecosystem that exists out there, which when you consider how big Android is, because it's pretty much the... They're not getting 55%. No, they they're, they're 55% of the... Android market of the product Of the Android wrong. products being sold, they're getting their small cut on it, which is whatever it is, 5 bucks, 10 bucks, 15 We don't know, because uh, that's all kept under you know strict non-disclosure agreements. Yeah, but, but what it is is that the ecosystem that makes the Android devices, or, or does it, they've get out of that, they're getting out of 55% of those, uh, giving ro- royalties of some denomination back to Microsoft. Which okay. is huge, and I mean, I was just looking at it today. I mean, I think it's Inventec have, have been the latest one to sign the um, royalty agreement with Microsoft around it. I mean, it's just it's a massive area of money when you consider how big Android is now. Mm. I mean, they, they look whether we like it or not, they are just killing iPhone as in the size of the market. They're killing Windows Phone. 
you know, they are the dominant player. So well, what's going to be the impact of this? Is this going to push up the price of the phones? Is it going to bring, you know, what's going to be the impact? Or is it just going to be that, uh, you know, Microsoft are, are earning something for whatever technologies of theirs are, is supposedly or patents have been built into Android. Yeah. What's that What's that story? I mean, basically, it's that lovely word patience again, whereas they have used some of the licensed patents that Microsoft apparently had. Um, Google, when they built the operating system, or particular manufacturers have um, added these, um, this functionality in and used Microsoft patents, and they've got to pay some licensing revenue to it. Whether it means the phone goes up, that goes up to each individual manufacturer or designer. Um, I haven't seen anything out in the market where they've, the prices have increased. I mean, the thing with Android handsets is, is that they are cheaper. And um, I'd hate to see them go up, personally. I, I think a lot of the time, the I'm hoping that the manufacturer just wears the cost. I mean, it's from what we heard, and this is the rumor, is that it's only 5 or $6 in some and maybe 15 on another. So I'm hoping it doesn't push it up. It but probably it, won't because the cost of the components to make the handsets so is cheap. coming down, right? So yeah. as that comes down, you know, that, that will probably cover for it anyway. So although I don't imagine there's a huge amount of money being made on, on selling these things. So, yeah. No, it's interesting. I was just looking at so. They've, Microsoft gets licensing revenue. This is from a, a website, uh, Tom's Hardware, uh, if you want to know where it's come from. They get licensing from Samsung, HTC, Acer, ViewSonic, Onico, General Dynamics, uh, Velocity Micro, Winstrom, Quantum Computers, Copal, Invitech at the moment around Android. Yeah, so there's, huge there, amount. Yeah, there's a fair, fair chunk of vendors that are, uh, that are, that are paying the money. Interesting. All right. Um that's that leads us on to a completely non Microsoft topic, Steve Jobs and his biography. That uh, that book's gone on sale uh, today, I believe. Ah, uh, yes. So th- it's been um, it's been written by uh, or put together by uh, Walter Isaacson, who ha- is a is a pretty major author out there in terms of doing uh, bios. Um, I know he's he's written them on on guys like Benjamin Franklin, uh, Albert Einstein. Um, so yeah, he he's covered some pretty uh, pretty key figures in the past. And I mean, in this case, this is an authorized biography. So Steve Jobs spent a lot of time with him, opened up, and there were um, a whole bunch of interviews. I think maybe uh, in the direction of uh, forty. Also, uh, that were carried out over the period of um, of a couple of years, as well as talking with you know, other related parties, such as you know his colleagues and rivals, uh, you know friends and family, and so on. So, um, quite quite a detailed and well researched um, biography from uh, from all accounts. Have you guys uh, caught up with some of the details that have that have come through about that uh, bio? I have. Yep. Look, Steve Jobs is a genius, bottom line. He's just a technology genius. But the way that certain passages, paragraphs, chapters have been written about him, um, he wasn't a overly nice man from what the extracts we're getting. Now, remember, this is got to, I, we haven't read the book, so these could be pulled out out of context. Yeah. But I think the key thing is, is that where they're going through and they've highlighted particular areas was he was pretty... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Driven's not the right word. He was very uh, ar- not ar- arrogant, demanding, perfectionist with his staff, but just even people he interacted with. And they have a story around where he's work- uh, talking with a waitress there, 
in a, in a Starbucks, and apparently he just tore her apart just because a particular the coffee cut wasn't presented in the right way. And it was a common thing to see Steve Jobs tearing people apart because he was a perfectionist. Now, rightly or wrongly, it's just the way his human interaction was maybe wasn't a strength like we saw on a stage. Um, but the other flip side of that is obviously his... Um, his absolute hatred of what became what Google became because he felt that he Google stole the iPhone um, was statements that he made his relationship with Eric Smith who used to be on the Apple board had completely deteriorated to the point where there was threats of you know we need to kill them crush them buy them out and all this sort of stuff and he was trying to sort of say we've got this much money in the bank we could buy Google this is few years ago and <laughs> and also so there was he, he really flipped and and when he when you were on his bad side man you didn't want to be in the firing line because we we knew that this was kind of the case with the pre being fired from apple correct steve jobs that he was arrogant even i mean that's the reason why he's fired yeah. people just didn't couldn't get on with him it was hard to deal with and he was also um just a little bit fly by nightish and arrogant as you say but are you saying this is also post, post as this well? is way post this is way and look you know i haven't been the biggest fan and, and even since our last show i've actually been doing a lot more reading and watching and if if you're into really knowing about computers and, and you want to do some stuff, do some research on the internet around the homebrew computer clubs, which started up and where they started doing some stuff. Man, he was amazing. Really was a smart cookie, that guy. But he just didn't connect with a lot of people. And he couldn't... He was very inspirational to watch on stage, but just the way that the book is coming out, and these are interviews and bits and pieces, yeah, he could be quite nasty. Um, Quite nasty, but I mean, if you if you think about the geniuses that you work with who do the IT stuff, that yep. are real. I mean, they're really really clever. There's not very many of the very very clever geeky techs that actually have great social skills. I mean, this could be a bit of an over exaggeration. No, it's but fair. that you you tend to get the genius complex type thing tend to get someone that's probably a little less social or perhaps a little more direct. Shall we put it that way? That they they don't suffer fools easily. No, and I mean, again, I want to be very clear to the people that are listening to the show is that um, we don't have the book here. I'm only reading from uh, six or seven different sites where they've, uh, you know... And some snippets and so on Yeah, online, exactly. Right? And yeah. I want to be yeah. very clear about that. And this is reading and then their, their interpretation of what's going on. And, and there's been talk around how they were designing, um, or Jobs was designing a TV, which we discussed last week. Not just a monitor and a computer to become a TV, but a physical TV device. And they reckon he'd cracked it. Um, and he was just talking with the author around that. So we've got to. I want to get the book. I think we need to give it time to digest and see what goes through. But yeah, it's interesting so far. Yeah. Now I look forward to seeing what uh, what actually uh, comes through there in terms of those new products. And yeah, I mean from from what I've heard, yeah, he's he's saying that he he cracked it. He solved the thing of of how to you know come up with a new TV that you know um, does things that our, that our current TVs don't do. So that'll be very interesting. And I, yeah, I think the book will will be um, will be a really good read. And you know, well, well worth. Um, well worth a look. So we'll report back a little bit more on that once uh, once at least one of us has a ch- had a chance to um, uh, get our head into the book and um, and and um, and yeah, have a have a read ourselves. So um, we will come back with that on a future NZ Tech podcast episode. Now the Linux kernel um, that's had another. Um, Another bump along, another update? Yeah, look, um, so they released the Linux kernel 3.0 back in April, and they've just done a quick update to 3.1, which, look, everyone's going, well, what does that actually mean? Um, 
two of the key things uh, with the changes are that they can now um, handle the in- Intel's Ivory Bridge and Cider Trail chips. So what that means is that where you're running, I suppose, the latest Linux kernel on server um, hardware especially, it's going to be compatible with that um, particular thing. Um, and it's got a really good improved power management. Um, Linux wasn't known for its really good um, having its green touch, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've really done a lot of work, and there's been a lot of community-based work around getting the, the green aspect built into the kernel of doing this thing called step up, step down, when the CPU's not in action, don't consume power type thing. Um, there'll be a whole list of hundreds of other features, I'm sure, in there. But uh, when you're going through and you're pulling through the sort of the top two ones, um, those those for me stood out um, that they can support these new the newer server based hardware. It's a small increment, but it, it's good to see again April really quick turnaround, and it's nice to see some of these newer features that we expect in modern operating systems really sort of getting pushed through the kernel. Yep, yep, no, definitely. Um, you know, I think you know Linux Linux will continue to improve, and 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 it needs to. It's getting used in so many places now, from you know. Android phones to servers to uh, the Chromebooks from from Google, um, you know it really is all over the all over the place. We're starting to see um, you know in-flight um, entertainment systems being uh, you know being Linux-based. Uh, there's you know I think GPS units, all, all sorts of things. So uh, yeah, it's great to great to see that um, that momentum can continuing along. I look forward to that challenge. What? Which one? The uh, the in-flight entertainment. I have managed to crash my in-flight entertainment and see it go back to a Windows XP embedded desktop. I've done the Penguin before. <laughs> I was on a British Airways flight from London to Seattle, and um, it came off, and the lady goes, um, I'm sorry, the entertainment system has crashed this evening. We're just going to have to reboot the mainframe. And I looked at the guy next to me who was also an IT person, and I went, cripes, I've got a mainframe on a British Airways. <laughs> and then the next minute, the little Penguin came up on the side and rebooted. And I've also seen the Windows CE one as well. So, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. There's a certain key combination you can press, but we won't talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah New Zealand would really like us now. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's not go hacking uh, plane systems, guys. Uh, you might get into some uh, pretty serious uh, trouble at the other end if they don't put you in um, some sort of um, lock-up before you even get there. So, well, if yeah. they put you in a lock-up in the middle of the flight, it might actually have more leg room. Fort first class. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we digress. We hey, look, we've, there's been some dodgy calls going around again, hasn't there, around these scamming ones? Yeah, well, the, I mean, the scam calls have been going on for a while, haven't they? And there's a new one um, that, Skip, you've uh, you've recorded in the in the last few days, which is one coming through Skype, which is, is certainly uh, new to me. I haven't come across that before. And then there's been the ongoing uh, phone calls that, uh, you know, these guys that I think they're pro- you know, probably in India. Um, we think. We think from, you know, from what we can tell in terms of accents and, and other bits and pieces, um, are basically calling up and saying, you know, hello, sir, I'm from Microsoft and, uh, you know, you've got some um, virus or malware or something on your computer and we're going to help you uh, get, get rid of that, right? Yeah. Uh, and those have been going around for a while and, of course, you know, we've discussed many times the the importance of keeping your password secure and not trusting people that call you. You've got to have some sort of proof of who they are, um, you know, many times. But uh, we've got another recording from one of those calls, and I think it's quite uh, quite entertaining to have a little bit of a, uh, a listen. 
Yeah, I just want to say a quick thank you to Craig for sending this through to us. We really appreciate this. It's great that you guys are sort of proactively, you know, we enjoy getting these things. They're a good, good humor. So yeah, yeah, yep. and we do it? encourage that of the of uh, of the the listeners to the NZ Tech podcast. Uh, please keep sending uh, things into us. We want uh, the show to you know continue being uh, driven by the things that uh, that interest the uh, um, you know those around the those around the country who uh, um, you know who are who are our listeners. So uh, yeah, please please keep firing stuff through. Okay, so let's just start off with the uh, Skype one. Which um, so you were sitting down at home last night, and my wife's laptop just started ringing, and we're looking at each other like, who's ringing you on Skype? No one rings you on Skype. So um, this is, uh, we got a, a call from a caller called Notifications Alert. Attention, this is an automated computer system alert. Urgent computer security message received. Please go to www.msgmt.com and follow instructions. Okay. Don't go to that site. I was just going to say, please do not go to that site if you're listening to this. I, I went to that site in a hardened browser set up and it just flipped out. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, avoid that one like the plague. But, um, yeah, that was strange. I've never had a Skype call like that come through. So clearly there's a new, uh, I guess we talk about attack vectors, the new, the new change in the way people do things. Skype is on the rise in New Zealand. So obviously hackers are now trying to use Skype to get through to people and try and get them onto these sites so yeah definitely one to keep aware of skype are never going to call you to say you've got problems with your computer in fact no one is going to call you to say problems with <laughs> yeah, so if you ever much. get that i think we've got another call potentially we're going to play as well which i think the gentleman on it is actually doing some really clever things rather than just saying oh what's the weather outside he's he's actually challenging questions from sort of things that are happening that if you know if you're new zealand you'd be pretty au fait with what's going on yeah so. and it is really good to you know is to run through those things so you can have confidence that whoever Whoever it is that's calling you, you're asking for information and so on that you can verify. We've talked about this before. I had a call uh, recently from uh, the bank, and then they started asking me to verify myself. You know, what's my birth date, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now, I had no way of knowing that this definitely was somebody at the bank who needed that information. So. I conf- you know, went through that process, confirmed their details, and then I called through a published number for the bank, not a number they'd given me to say, oh, yeah, this is the bank's number, try it. So, you know, always just have that cautiousness if people start, you know, if people call you um, wanting information that, you know, you shouldn't just normally hand out. That's, so that's very wise because I've actually had that with American Express as well. Mm. And American Express lady was a bit shocked. She's like, I'm sorry. And I said to her, just explain to them, look, I don't know who you are. And you're asking me for personal details, so I'm going to ring you back. And if you give me a reference code, I'll call you back on that. But otherwise, I'm just going to ring you back. And they, they eventually accept it. So, yeah, it's definitely wise to counsel. So here's this clip. What folder do you want me to open, mate? So we're starting partway through the call, right? Sorry? Who is this? Hello? Who am I speaking to now? This is Steve Wilson, and I'm the senior Microsoft certified technician. So, so, so Typical social engineering well? hack there. Yes. Whereabouts in Auckland? Yes, sir. We are located in Auckland. Whereabouts in Auckland? Sorry? Where are you based in Auckland? It's 297 Queen Street, Auckland, sir. 297 what? Queen Street. 
Queen, what can you spell the street name? I'm just, I'm just a little concerned because um, sometimes uh, your phone line does not. The address. Okay, the address. Let's okay, just bit here. Can you tell me what's happening in Auckland at the moment? Sorry. What is happening in Auckland at the moment? What is the big event happening in Auckland? This is great. Bearing in mind, this is just before the World Cup final. Yes, so it's not a small event. No, it's, it's a pretty clear weather. <laughs> oh, okay. And what, what, what's the big, what, what is the big sporting event happening in Auckland right now? Sorry? What is, well, there, there is a big, big event happening in Auckland right now. You must, be, you must know it if you live there. What, what's happening in Auckland? Happening in Auckland? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is it? Sir, we are calling you from the computer maintenance department, not from the sports department. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. No idea. That's brilliant. And I mean, the, the, okay. So there's, Zealand, a few, there's a few obvious things here, aren't there? Yeah, New Zealand in infrastructure sport. is at times a little shaky, but it's not. I mean, telephone conversations no. are not that shaky. Not, not across town. No, right? not from Auckland Central. Look, I think we've said this a hundred times. No one will really call you up and ask you for your username and password for any service. I think, like Skip said, if they do call you, call or, them back. Or, 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 or anything confidential, no. right? That you, you, you know, there's no way of verifying if someone's called you. In general, there's no way of verifying that they are who they say they are. So you're much better to call back a published number that. You can find on the you know on the home page of the website itself. Someone calls up saying they're calling from Microsoft, from ASB Bank, whatever it is. Go to asb.co.nz, call that main number, tell them that's what you're going to do, and that you need their you know you need uh, a call reference, etc. So you can come back to them. Yep. Uh, but no, that 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 one that's pretty entertaining. So yeah, so many factors in there. You know the fact that um, we don't get a lot of people. Um, um, calling with such big delays, there's a whole you know a whole range a whole range of things there. Um, the fact that they you know kept questioning, you know asking for the questions to be repeated and so on, uh, and 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 then just the way they um, you know responded to the question about the event happening in Auckland. Now I want to encourage the NZ Tech podcast audience. These guys are wasting people's money and lives by hacking the unwise shall we say and they're getting computers infected the unwise people infected if you have time and you get one of these calls waste their time spend time and make their life a misery just keep them online ask some stupid questions like this guy did just to find out who they are because they're desperately trying to make a sale well trying to make a hack sale here shall we say um waste these guys time i just i don't know how we're going to get rid of them because the thing is they're coming in from anonymous um sip uh, VoIP phone calls, so it's hard to track, and a you lot of the really telcos. Track them at all, can yeah, you? Lo- local telcos are not able to sort of defeat a lot of this at the moment. So let's just waste their time. If you have time and you feel like having a bit of fun, or as we like to call it, trolling them, just give them a lot of stick. You know, just keep them busy. Otherwise, they're going to go and find some poor lady in Ekaterina just causing problems. And if you can record the call and send it in to us, all the better. And if uh, yeah, if you... Thoroughly um, entertaining for us the f- and, and for the other listeners. The funniest one will win an award from Paul. Excellent. <laughs> Alright, now, moving right along. Now, we, talk, we were talking about uh, uh, banks calling up and so on. Um, there's been this interesting um, use of the 
Connect, the Xbox Connect interface, um, seen as part of a demo for internet banking. Uh, I don't know if you guys have uh, have have seen that one, uh, but it's it's just cool to see the new ways that people are using, um, you know, the Connect to basically interact and and do things before that you know traditionally. You know, you've had to go onto a website and 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 do manually. What do you guys think of this one? Does that mean someone in your lounge can swipe your money while you're working in the bank account? That's exactly it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have a different angle for you. Uh, look, we've got a lot of really great innovation going on with the Connect because Microsoft actually did something clever and opened up the SDK to the public, right? Yeah, we, we agreed on that one. Yep. Yep. Yeah, no, it's, so, it's cool. I get a lot of feedback from um, Sony Move users that the Sony Move is a lot more accurate in what it's doing. And the way it picks up the motion, I don't agree or disagree. I don't have I don't have a move, so I can't comment. But I'm interested to see that maybe why Sony haven't potentially opened up a similar type of SDK that allows people to use the move to um, develop on top of. So I, I think it's really cool. People are doing some cool stuff with the Connect. But what about the other motion platforms like the Wii and the, and the Sony Move? I mean, are we concerned that they're not developing? There's no ecosystem developing around that or do you just think this is just something s- smart that they've done for Microsoft well I mean I think it's, re- it's a reflection of Microsoft and the way they operate is you know it's quite normal if they build something they want they want it to be as successful as possible they love engaging with software developers and they love their stuff to be used in, in all sorts of ways because uh, that just helps them sell you know more of whatever it is no I agree I'm just, just um, yeah. I mean yeah what are your what are your thoughts Skip I mean I, it's something I have thought of before yeah what yeah what, why aren't these other tools being used in the same way or are they just not as good you want me to use my Sony on my Sony network <laughs> that got hacked to access my bank account yeah, but I mean, oh, look, no, but no, hold on, hold on. To be fair to Sony, look, I mean, we had this conversation, I think, when we were sort of having a bit of fun with Sony a while ago. I mean, the Xbox Live Network had some issues about two or three years ago, wasn't that right, Paul? You were telling me a while ago, wasn't that? wasn't hacked but it was definitely had some issues oh yeah I mean I think every platform's yeah. had reliability issues of of, of, yeah. of one sort from you know from time to time but I mean just saying I mean as a development I just don't see that eco- I see every day a new connect prototype app coming out I don't see the ecosystem building with the um, move now but the thing is that Microsoft have a developer community that's already there in the Windows space doing Windows things, all they've done is they've taken the gaming space device and giving this Windows space development community the tools to actually use it. And that's why we're seeing innovation. No, but would you like to see the move being used like similar ways that the Kinect's been developed on? It just, no. Well, actually, no, I wouldn't. Because for me, I look at it and go, the interface moving forward, Microsoft are doing a smart thing, as did the iPhone, where they're actually taking away some of the limitations of interfaces where yep. you've got to have something in your hand or you've got to push a certain type of button. So what iPhone did is said, do away with buttons, we'll just have a touch screen, you can create whatever interface you want. Connect is effectively that interface for the living room, for the house, and even for potentially operating systems moving forward. So I don't think people are really going to walk up with a their Move Stick or their Wii Remote and actually start waving it at the screen to do their bank stuff. Because it's a physical object versus your body. I've got to find the remote control to get to it, for starters. But if I walk into the lounge, and immediately my Kinect goes, ah, it's Skip. Log you in, which it does now. Log you in, and then all of a sudden you can start getting exposed to all these different interfaces. Why not? Yeah, no, I just just sat back the other night, and I I was... um 
my my boy was playing on a PlayStation, and then I was like, I was trying to work out when I looked at all the cool applications that were coming out. I was trying to see whether this is going to be an enhancement for the Kinect or not, and why Sony and maybe the Wii haven't done it. And yeah, it's a fair it's a fair point. What well, I, I want to know how they're going to do sort of some of the security aspects, login aspects for bank details using. Oh, yeah. I mean that that's got to be really important. And face recognition or gesture recognition or the even the uh, point at different p- parts of a picture to log in type thing may not be enough for um, bank compliance. Yep, true. So be interested to see how it goes. I'm loving the fact that people are actually experimenting with this space and coming up with new ideas because over time it'll become acceptable, it'll become secure. I mean, who knows, maybe the chip in our forehead will actually kick in and... Or the barcode <laughs> on the back of my neck. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, look, we're, we're Paul Exciting. and I were in LA of doing a show over there a little while ago, and there was a um, a virtual dressing room, and I was trying to get Paul to try on a wedding dress uh, virtually <laughs> via Connect. But the, what they were doing is you could actually stand there, put the dress on, do all the bits and pieces, and, and you, it was all um, sort of augmented reality with with a Kinect device. Yeah, it's true. I didn't try on the dress, but you looked lovely with those pearls that you I put did. on, uh, Brad. And yeah, those big beautiful. pumps I had too. <laughs> but no, it's interesting to see. I mean, like, yeah, just. Just oh, no, skip yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think you should appreciate that you weren't there to see it, Skip. Yeah. It was uh, it, it was not a sight to behold. I can assure you. Let's uh, move on to the next topic. <laughs> yeah, before the show rating goes up too yeah. dodgy. Hey, um, so I, I I have something for you. So oh yeah, what turned ten in the weekend? Oh, something. Oh, it'll be another uh, another Apple uh, product. Yeah. Do you know what it was? 10-10. 10-10. Come on, a major revolution. Turned the world upside down. Steve Jobs had just come back in 2001. Apple was just starting to make some money again. He'd Steve been w- back since the mid to late 90s, actually. Official. I just read the website. <laughs> here, we, here we go. Um, the, um, the iPod. Right. iPod is 10 years of age. Can you believe it? How much has the world changed, not just in the devices, but also the way the music industry has moved on? Well, what technology were we were we using ten years ago? A um, very, very different picture. I found isn't one. It? I found one. I found an old iRiver that yes. had um, an Cre- iRiver Creative, Creative Labs Creative Labs iRiver. I had one at home, and I used to put in a this really wide was almost like a a bad SD format card in there, <laughs> and I and I had some ridiculous, and it's just it was clunky. But isn't that amazing to think it's ten years old? That we've gone through a decade of the iPod and the way that Apple changed with iTunes and, and the music generation and the the click wheel. Just everything has, has moved on from there. That's what the photo we're laughing about is that they've um, they've got some quite innovative photos around where the iPod's being used in this day and age. But I mean, you look how much things have moved on, and obviously, out of the iPod came iPhone, iPads, and all the different other you know the different technology sets and iOSs. So it's been a pretty pretty major major jump. I mean, to be I, I had an iPod for a little while, but um, yeah, I, I I went on to other devices. I went on to using my phone actually. Yeah, I mean, uh, some of you yeah might recall some of those devices from the likes of Creative Labs and so on. Um, they they had uh, a Microsoft operating system that uh, that they were actually shipped with, and you know Microsoft was uh, was playing in that space. Uh, but you know, of course, in recent years they they released the Zune products over about the last four years. But prior to that, they they had another go, which which wasn't very successful either. Which was releasing an operating system, kind of like they released, um, you know, Windows for PCs. They, um, um, you know, that they, they had that software, but it, it didn't it didn't do very well. 
Have you guys used the iCloud yet? Yeah, on I, my, had, on I, had iPad. A, I had a little bit of a play on um, on my iPad as well, and having it sort of sync your stuff up to yeah, up to I like um, the it. iCloud. So I, uh, I chose the option uh, not to do any local syncing, everything in the cloud. Really nice, simple, easy. This off your US VPN account? No, this is straight from Kiwi yeah. land, yeah, my, and, it, and it works really well. Yeah, it's hmm. simple, like like anything Apple. You know, it's the user experience out of the box is really good. Signed up, went away. Gone next ten minutes. I had uh, I think is it three or four options you choose to to get it going at the beginning, and then after that, it's it's pretty much everything now is in the cloud. So uh, I think if you're out there and you're wondering whether it was going to be any good, I like it. I really like it. Now, one of the limitations is it doesn't give doesn't actually give you a whole lot of storage. No, it's five. Is it five gig off the top of my head? It's yeah. So you was it twenty five? I've got the two around the wrong way. No, no, no. It's five gig. Yeah, yeah, it's five yeah. gig. Yeah, yeah. So and that's where we we were chatting about last yes. week. We have got uh, you know um, box dot net and so on that that's you know there are various gig, ones yeah. coming along and offering things like a free fifty gig worth of storage, yeah, uh, etc. So um, yeah, that'll be it'll be interesting to see whether. Apple takes a little bit of heat there and starts offering more oh, more will. free storage, whereas at the moment you've got to pay if you want more storage, right? Just on that box.net, I hear the rumours amongst the uh, well, they, a press release that they put out, they're actually bringing out the sync client for the free accounts for Windows shortly. So that'll be quite cool. So you'll be able to sync your Windows desktop with box.net as a backup device, 50 gig free. That's quite cool. I mean... Yeah, I mean, I've been playing with quite a different these cloud storage solutions, and so they all for everything's between five, ten, fifteen, twenty-five, thirty. So, um, the other one I've been really getting back into is Dropbox. Yeah, I, I like Dropbox. Yeah, it's it quite cool. Well, these tools are really handy. Part of the problem is though that they're <laughs> proliferating in different directions, and so there's becoming a whole you know range of yeah. different things, which is actually. Um, yeah, actually makes life life somewhat harder and messier having so many tools out there. And and associated security because you don't know which one is actually, you know, which one can you know who can you trust your data with? Yeah, no, and I agree. Particularly with some of the things that we've seen over the last twelve months with um, security issues. Or just encrypt your data. Yep, true. Even Not, if, I, actually, I'd even recommend if you're using a corporate um, cloud-based service, which is secure in quotation marks. I was um, wondering what the fingers are doing. There. Yeah, that's right. Um, I would still encrypt your data. Especially if you're doing backup sets, just encrypt your backup set in the cloud, even if you've got a secure service. I'd have to say that your average computer user is not going to encrypt their data or even know how to encrypt their data. So it needs to be done by the provider, doesn't it, in some ways? You know what I mean? Like, the, you need to have that level of security be handled at the back end so that my mum and dad or your mum and dad or whatever can just drag the files up there and it's simple. I can't imagine trying to explain to my poor old mum trying to how to encrypt her data. Exactly. Right. And, that, and that's a challenge. It. If, the, if, it, if it's not done for you, um, then chances are, you know, most cases, most people aren't going to do that sort of stuff. I think it's know, time manually. for me to do a blog entry. Okay. All right. We look, we look forward to that, Skip. Now, uh, we're, we're coming towards a close. Um, now, Windows, Phone, and Nokia, we have some news this week. Well, yes. we, we don't actually have the real news just no. yet, um, although most <laughs> of it has already news. leaked out there is uh, the details of the new phones that uh, Nokia will be releasing this, this week. So after many years of uh, sliding in uh, market share in terms of their, their smartphones, and of course 
Nokia, I think, is still the number one uh, phone maker in the world, but their market share in the smartphone space has fallen sort of, you know, dramatically, particularly this year since they announced they were dropping Symbian and and have been uh, working hard on coming out with their Windows phones. So those announcements will be out over the next few days and we'll certainly uh, chat through with a few more details on uh, next week's episode. Now, Skip, you've been quite excited about what Google have announced in the past few days around their mobile operating system. Look, I would be the first to say that I'd be a bit of an Android hater. The product is so mishmash and across different brands, all the security problems that have come out and yeah, just there's just a few things that just doesn't gel with me. I've, I've come from an iPhone to the Windows Phone 7 and I've enjoyed that. You but enjoy the slickness, whereas there's a, a quite a large sector of our audience that enjoys the customizability and some of those aspects of Android, right? I mean, there are a lot of guys who just love that they can tweak it this way and that way. Now, Google is an engineering firm, and the phone has been to date an engineering phone. And there's been a few crowds like Samsung, uh, possibly HTC, who have come out with some pretty good customizations around the Android and actually have made it quite a user-friendly thing. Now, the recently they released what's nicknamed Ice Cream Sandwich, uh, which is Android 4.0. And alongside of that, they actually also released the new Galaxy Nexus, which is actually Samsung and Google's um, love child, shall we say. <laughs> um, and I have to say... I think Samsung are amazing. They make some absolutely amazing hardware. And this Galaxy Nexus is also flipping amazing. So it's a um, a dual-core 1.2 gigahertz. It's got a gig of RAM on board. It's probably gruntier than most a lot of people's early Windows mm. XP PCs, to be honest. 32 gig of RAM, 5 megapixel camera. It does do full 1080 video, which is all, you know, this is all stuff that is actually becoming standard with smartphones these days. It does have a near-field communications device, so this is sort of picking up RFID type um, things. Um, a barometer, so you can tell how high you are. Now, the thing that really gets me excited is, for the first time, Android 4 looks like a consumer-grade phone device, smartphone device. It is user-friendly, the slick user interface, um, voice-to-text type things. I mean, this is on Windows Phone 7. It's now come to iPhone with um, Siri. So it's sort of up there with the top products now. Um, Much more advanced to improve calendar and Gmail app integration, which it needed to. I think that just really needed to be tidied up and slicked up. Um, It has... um, much more improved camera including a panoramic mode so you can actually take panoramic photos with your phone um, built into the UI that's pretty that's pretty common in a lot of phones these days already not, isn't it not standard you get it with apps but not standard um, so this is sort of sort of doing a little bit like what Apple have done and Microsoft have done have taken some features from good apps pulled it into the um, the operating system um, it does connect with uh, the cloud so it gets onto the Google stuff has this really interesting feature face unlock so we've seen a couple of new login services coming through the Windows 8 had um, you know 
that point. sounds like what you were just chatting about with the Xbox Connect. You walk into your lounge and the Xbox says, oh, that's skipping and unlocks you. So yeah, you're basically so what saying you do a similar you just, feature on you your phone. You just look at your phone and it actually unlocks it. Now, the question is whether you can actually trick it with a photo. I'm not sure about that. There was an article I didn't get a chance they're, to read they're, it. They're saying, no, you can't, but, of course, there there will be limitations there. So there's probably a way you could trick it with a, with a video, so maybe it looks for some movement and so yep. on. There's the Android Beam near-field communication, so Android's being able to talk to each other without Bluetooth or without Wi-Fi, so that's a pretty cool concept. Now, there is um, visual voicemail, which is is something that the iPhone's doing. Windows Phone 7 doesn't do at the moment. Um, I, look think, at a I think there is in, um, the latest version of Windows Phone. I think it supports visual voicemail. Right. I must, live in maybe New- the old version. I must live in New Zealand where none of this feature works. Well, um, exactly. It's not much, not much use here, is it? Because our networks don't support it. And the thing that I like the most, they've overhauled the uh, user interface to use more hardware acceleration so it doesn't run like a dog. When you look at this in the video, it's a very slick presentation. It, it sounds like it's quite a major overhaul. I think what they've done is they've taken... Uh, a lot of the cons- they've looked at a lot of the consumer concerns around the product. Potentially, this could be a phone that people would look at over an iPhone 4S. All right. Well, that's us for another week. Thank you all very much for listening in to the NZ Tech Podcast. We will be back again, of course, next week. You can find us online at nztechpodcast.com. Our Twitter handle is at nztechpodcast. We're on facebook.com slash nztechpodcast. And you can find each of us on Twitter as well. Brad, your uh, your Twitter handle? Uh, at Brad Bohr. And Skip? At Urban Kiwi NZ. And my one, very easy, just my name, at Paul Spain. So thanks very much, everyone, and uh, look forward to interacting with you guys online over the next week or so. And uh, we'll catch you on the next episode.